I love that song. It challenges us to sing, you're perfect in all of your ways. And God is sovereign. God is over all things. Nothing happens without his permission. And so if he's perfect in all of his ways, and that means whatever God causes is perfect, whatever God allows is perfect, that there's a purpose that you and I can't understand. And maybe today, if you're going through something that it's hard to understand why, if you're enduring something where it's just really challenging to understand why, one of the best ways you can worship this morning is just to lift up some faith, even if it's the faith the size of a mustard seed, even if it's just a faith that wouldn't even fill a thimble, just to lift up a little faith that says, someday, Lord, I will be with you and you will explain and show how all of this fits together. Not because you owe me an explanation, but one day we will be with you and we will understand what you were accomplishing in the world. Because the thing my family's going through right now, I don't absolutely see how that could be perfect or good. Or the thing that, that happened to me last year or last summer or when I was 12, that thing, I don't see how that could be good for you to allow that, but you have some perfect, some perfect purpose in that. And so worshiping God often looks like I trust you. I, I don't get it. I don't see it. I, I can't really slap a label on it and say that was good. <laughs> But my worship is to say, someday I will understand. Someday I will see. You're perfect in all of your ways. So maybe that would be your act of worship today, to lift that up to the Lord. This morning, we are doing sort of a one-off teaching today. Let me get my little tea bag out of the way here. Excuse me. Some good hot water. Nice. We're doing a, kind of a one-off teaching in the middle of our Marriage Matters series. And the Marriage Matters series where we're trying to encourage married couples and say that, hey, you know, marriage still matters and all those things. Um, but with fall break happening here and so many married couples out, we wanted to sort of take a break and do uh, something a little bit different. So we're talking about steep today. Open your Bibles to Psalm 119, Psalm 119, Psalm 119. We're going to look at just a few verses this morning, um, Psalm 119, verses 11 to 16. I believe it'll actually even come up on the screen if you want to follow along with those there. The psalmist writes, and he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth, and I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I'm going to read that one more time. It's such a short passage. And as I do this time, I want you to listen for the different ways that the psalmist talks about Scripture. Let's, let's read it through one more time. Um, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts 
and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This morning, I want to unpack this passage of scripture uh, together and sort of give us some understanding because God has brought some really um, meaningful conviction into my heart about my own discipleship and my own love and following Jesus and my abiding in Jesus and his word. And I believe he wants this for our church. And that's why we're spending a few minutes in Psalm 119 today. But first of all, I want you to notice those five different kinds of scripture. Those five different kinds of scripture. In verse 11, he talks about the word. He says, I have hidden your word. So what does the word mean when you see that? What's different from precept or decree and all those things? Let me give you a little bit of a definition for each one of these five. The word is the all-inclusive term for all that is written and spoken by God. That collective amount, all that is written and spoken by God, uh, even the things that are not even written down in the book, the things that God said to somebody that didn't get recorded and passed down as holy scripture, whenever God says something, that's his word. That's a word from God. It kind of makes sense. So when the psalmist says, I have hidden your word, So all the things that you've spoken and have been written about you, all the things that have been attributed to you, God, I've hidden those in my heart. That's verse 11. In verse 12, he uses the word decrees. Decrees are commands delivered with emphasis. Decrees are demands, commands, excuse me, delivered with emphasis. That's a command delivered with emphasis. Let me help you understand a little bit. It's basically all caps. You ever get one of those text messages in all caps? Or someone leaves, sends you an email and part of it's in all caps. You can sort of almost hear them raising their voice a little bit uh, through the, the ones and zeros on your, on your screen. That's sort of what a decree is. A decree of God is a command delivered with emphasis. That's verse 12. Verse 13, he says, laws. What are God's laws? These are his just and righteous regulations for life. This is God, the God, the one true God who made all things, who has the prerogative and the permission and the authority to decide what is appropriate and what is inappropriate, what is right and what is wrong. And God says, this is okay. This is not okay. This leads to life. This leads to death. This is something that I'm for. This is something that I'm against. When God decides and judges something like that, That is one of his laws. They're righteous, they're just, they're a regulation for how we do life. It's God judging right and wrong. So that's verse 13. Verse 14, we have the fourth mention here in our passage. He says statutes, not statues of clay, of marble, if you can think of someone in a pose, but a statute. What is a statute? A statute is the testimony of God and his relationship with his people. It's the testimony of God and his relationship with his people. So whenever you read about the different ways that God interacts with his people, he leads them this way. He declares our relationship's going to be kind of like this. He states that I'm going to set up this and you're going to offer these sacrifices and this is what you'll do and this is what I'll do. This the covenant issues that go on between man and God and all of his, his relationship with them. Those are referring to what statutes God has set up to govern and to define that relationship. Several times in the Bible, I love this passage where God will say something. He'll say, he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. We're going to have this relationship. 
I will be your God and you will be my people. And when God defines that, man, you can get lost in the Old Testament a little bit, reading about all the descriptions of the tabernacle and all the ways that the furnishings have to be set up and they had to be built a certain way and the priests had to wear certain garments that looked a certain way and you could only offer offerings in a certain way and you couldn't do it in an unauthorized, um, improper way. All of those statutes are God defining how the relationship will work between God and man. And then the fifth one, five, fifth different kind of scriptures that we refer to here is precepts. That's in verse 15. What are precepts? Precepts are God's direct and specific orders. Direct and specific orders. Where God says to Abram, I want you to leave here and go to this place that I will show you. That is a precept. When God says, you should do this, that is a precept. When God says, this is my directive for husbands. This is my directive for wives. This is my directive for, for leaders. This is my direct. When God gives those things, those specific orders, those specific directives, those are his precepts. God authoritatively instructing those under his charge. So look at that. There's five different ways that scripture is referred to here in this little passage. If you went into verse 16, you would see a repeat. That's the first time we get a repeat, even in this little passage. In verse 16, he talks about his decrees and your word again. So right here in this little passage, scripture is referred to in five different ways. And one of the things that we're going to lean into this morning as a people of hope is, is that for a lot of us, we have not been dwelling on the word of God with passion and commitment. We have not been intentional with our time and life in the word. Many of us have not been abiding in the scriptures like we need to. Some of us just refer to it as, oh, it's just the Bible. And I agree with it. And the call this morning is that you and I, as the people of God, would go beyond just agreeing with the words in the book, but that we, like the psalmist, would have such a passion for it that we can differentiate the decrees and precepts and laws and commands and word of God, that we would be all in with the scriptures, that it would not just be this side part of our life, that if we have a little time, we'll kind of do a little reading here or there, but that we would love the word of God because there's power in that. So I'll give you five different ways that scripture is referred to. Now I want to show you five different activities around God's word in this same passage. Look at five different activities around God's word in this passage. Look at what the psalmist says about activity around God's word. Number one is in verse 11, there's memorizing. Verse 11 is memorizing. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart. He's memorized it. He's put it there. And if you, if you do a little study in the original language there, he says, I have treasured your word. It's like you've got this treasure and you, you, you hide it away in a, in a way to, to keep it safe because you love it so much. It's special. It's secluded. It's treasured. It's something that you want to be this special place that's put into your heart. The psalmist loves God's word so much so that he is memorizing it. The second activity is in verse 12. Look what he says. He says he's 
He says, praise be to you, Lord, teach me your decrees. So the activity here is studying. He's studying God's word. He's saying, Lord, I want you to teach me. Friends, when you and I read the Bible, that's different from studying the Bible. When we read the Bible, we receive it, we, we're informed by it, and, and, and we let it kind of come into our world and into our lives, and, and, it, and that's a really good thing. But when we study it, I love this picture here where the psalmist says, praise be to you, Lord. Would you, would you teach me? I want to be your student. I want to sit under your instruction. I want you to give me understanding about what this book is about. And you get the idea that, that he didn't go down to his local bookstore and buy a Bible study. That in whatever form he had some of the words of God in scroll form or whatever, but he had those, but he was sitting with God, prayerfully saying, teach me. I want to study under you. Teach me, your, teach me your decrees. The third activity here is in verse 13. He says, with my lips, I, what's he say? I recount. I recount all of the laws that come from your mouth. I speak them. I talk your word. Your word is in my mouth. Not just in my heart, in my brain. It's in my mouth. Your word is not just a set of highlighted things in a Bible. Your word is not just a place filled with little scribble notes in the margin. Your word is not just a bunch of little pieces of paper shoved in. Your, your word is in my life and in my mouth. I absolutely rejoice. And my lips love recounting all the laws that come out of your mouth. So one of the things that's beautiful is when you memorize God's word and then you recount God's word. And sometimes we do that because we're trying to memorize God's word. And sometimes we speak God's word because you run into somebody who needs God's word in that moment. Maybe you're visiting them in the hospital. Maybe you're talking to them on the phone. Maybe you're texting them. And I love the privilege that we have in this day and age that God's word is just a couple of clicks away on our, on our phones. That's pretty awesome. But it has made many of us absolutely out of the game of memorizing scripture. Ouch. Anybody else? Click, click, click. I got it. Why do I need to memorize it? The psalmist, I have treasured your word. I want you to teach me. And I love speaking your word. My lips love recounting all of your laws. All the things that you've said are right and not right. I want to speak those things. Verse 14, the fourth activity here. Look at it carefully. He says, I rejoice in following the fourth activity is following. I rejoice in following your statutes. So he's not just reading them. He's not just studying them. He's not just meditating on them. He's not just memorizing them. He wants to live them out. He wants to follow them. Let us be careful that we don't become men and women with bloated spiritual knowledge in our brains more than we're ever living out. 
Let's be careful to live the word and not just know the word. Let's be careful to do what it says. This is the psalmist saying, I rejoice in following you. The word rejoice there has to to do, it's the same modern word we use for being elated. When was the last time you were elated? When was the last time you got some good news? Can't wait to tell somebody. Ah, this is so great. I'm elated. My heart is skipping. I've got a bounce in my step. Everything is up. That's the attitude of the psalmist about following God's statutes. The things that God has said about his relationship with us. I'm elated to follow your statutes. And the fifth activity is in verse 15. He says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I think about it. I look for your ways. I meditate. What do you think of when you think of meditation? Uh, Meditation, mindfulness is a big, big deal in culture right now. It can be a really great thing. Um, Meditating, you're going to have to come to a complete stop to meditate on God's word. You're going to have to turn off the, the multitasking moments. And we are such highly skilled multitaskers. We are really, really good multitaskers. If you want to meditate on God's word, you're going to have to find some quiet. You're going to have to find some space. And you're going to have to remove the distractions. You're going to have to come to a complete stop. When was the last time that you said, I want to steep in God's word? I want God's word to get into me and to infuse all into my heart. I want to extract all of the beauty and power and flavors that are in God's word. The psalmist says, I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. This idea of considering your ways is I think about and look for your paths. Ways has to do with paths. There are good roads and bad roads. I could go this way or I could go that way. I could turn left, turn right. I could, I could go up or I could go down. I could go in this direction or that direction. I could, and, go th- and God cares. God absolutely cares. And the psalmist says, I am, I am looking for your way. Which is the right road to take for you? Which is the right road that you want me to take? Which is the way you want me to go? I'm considering, I'm thinking about, I'm coming to a complete stop, I'm meditating on. Eastern meditation, which has no biblical basis, is the idea of emptying your heart and mind. Biblical meditation is the idea of filling your heart and mind with the goodness, greatness, in the word of God. That's when you sit and chew on God's word. As when you sit still long enough to digest God's word. When you come to a complete stop long enough. Meditating will not happen by accident. 
And meditation happens when you believe the value of God's word because you love God's word. Until you love it and believe it has value for your life, you won't come to a complete stop and meditate. We don't stop and meditate because we're trying to be good boys and good girls. And this is not a teaching that says, this is a should, should, should. Oh, you should be. Oh, you should be. Oh, you should be. My question this week has been, oh my goodness, I have the words of the living God. Why in the world would I not? And how is it that I have just bumped up against in glancing moments with God's timeless word and I have not let it seep and steep in my life? I have not extracted the depths and flavors. I have not let my soul marinate in the goodness and the flavor and the power of God's holy word. The psalmist says, I meditate on your precepts, thinking about them. And I'm letting them sit on my soul. That infusion might happen. Infusion is a word that's used um, in things like tea. Uh, You take a a hot liquid and you uh, put tea in there and then it infuses um, into the liquid, the flavors and, and, and essence and particle and all that kind of stuff infuses in there. It's also a word that's used with chemotherapy. There's an infusion treatment that goes on. What happens where there are things that are imparted into a, a, a liquid, there are these chemicals, and then those are transferred into the bloodstream to do good healing work in the body. Infusion is when you, I'm trying to get these things into my life where they need to go. <laughs> And I'm not going to eat the tea granules. I'm going to let this extract and, and flavor and come in as tea. Meditating on God's word is this activity of infusing. So we had five different kinds of scripture in this passage. You had five different activities. Memorizing, studying, recounting, following, and meditating. Let me give you five different purposes and benefits for a deep loving relationship with the word. Number one, so that you will not sin as much. That's verse 11. So that you won't sin as much. The psalmist said, your word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. There's a benefit when you hide and treasure God's word in your heart. You will not sin as much. Does that sound like good news to anybody? The second Benefit and purpose is so that I will learn what is true. So that I will learn what is true. Verses 12 and 13 talk about the idea of of being taught by God and recounting his laws. We need to learn what is true. We need to learn what God has said is right and what is not right. We need to be clear about what's appropriate and not appropriate. We need to learn from God. We need to learn what's true because so many of us are spending hours and hours and hours on things that are phony, things that are waste things that are not important. And some of us are getting worked up and all stirred up about things that aren't important. They're phony. And when we are in God's word, he teaches us. When we are in God's word, we come to know and can recount his laws so we can learn what is true. The third benefit, the third purpose is so that I will obey. 
Verse 14, he says, I want to follow. I rejoice to follow. I want to be an obedient disciple. How about you? And the psalmist says, my time in, in your word leads me to rejoice in following your statutes. Letter D, the fourth one, the fourth purpose and benefit is so that I will be on the right path. That's verse 15. I'm trying to consider your ways. I'm meditating and I'm trying to consider your ways. I'm trying to find, okay, there's two roads up here. Which is the right road? I, I want to be on the right path. Not so that I can have good behavior in order to earn God's love. I already have God's love. And my relationship with him is not based on my behavior. Friends, make sure you have that grounded. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our relationship with him is not based on our behavior. It is based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So we don't obey today to say, look at me, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. Love me, give me, help me, answer me, bless me. We obey because there's life there. And we obey from love because he's our father and we want to do what our father wants us to do. And our father is always good, true? true. And whatever he says is right, true? true? Why in the world would we want to disobey what he says? The last benefit of a life loving and abiding in the word is found in verse 14 and 16. You find the word rejoice and you find delight so that I can rejoice in delight. <laughs> so think about that. Here in these verses, if I will have this deep relationship with God's word, I won't sin as much. I can learn what is true. I can obey and be obedient. I can be on the right path and I can have joy and delight in my life. My goodness, that sounds really, really good. Let me show you one other scripture passage. 2 Timothy chapter 3 that talks about God's word. Verses 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. It's a huge word. It's useful. It's really useful in our lives. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. Anybody else need all those things? I do. And you do too. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, when you and I have a deep and abiding relationship with the word of God, we become thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you leave the house thoroughly equipped to face whatever is thrown at you. You leave the house thoroughly equipped to minister to your coworker or your neighbor or your friend. You leave the house thoroughly equipped to deal with the lies that are going to come at you. Thoroughly equipped to deal with the temptations that are going to come at you. For the word of God is useful all of these things so that his servants can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here's the deal. If you want to become more like Jesus, if you want to sin less, if you want to grow as a disciple, if you want to spend more time on the right paths than you do on the wrong paths, if you want to know God more, then friends, Please make a commitment right now to a deeper relationship 
with time and attention on God's word. Abide in the word of God. Remain in the word of God. I've been convicted this week by Psalm 119. And friends, just shooting straight with you, as I always try to do, this device right here has brought the conviction. The conviction is I have not intentionally memorized the chunk of scripture in a long time because this, verse, this passage is right here. I'm not letting the word marinate in my heart the way I need to. I'm not treasuring it away in here because it's just a few clicks away. And I'm not denouncing this. Oh my gosh, please don't touch this. This is, I love this. I need this. I really do. Thank you, Lord, for this. So much happens here. uh, Thank you. Thank you. I love this. But I think sometimes I haven't loved and treasured and valued this the same way. And I haven't had a whole lot of time letting this steep in the depths of my soul to infuse all the things that God's word wants to impart, to extract. I haven't meditated. Some of that's because I haven't memorized in a while. That's my confession today. So I'm working on that. I'm memorizing right now, as of this week, I'm memorizing the first chapter of Ephesians. And as of today, five days in, I've got nine verses down. What are you going to memorize? Not to be a good boy or a good girl, but so that there might be delight, so that you might rejoice, so that you might find the right path, so that you might obey, so that you might learn, so that you might sin less so that God's word might impart and steep like a bag of tea in your heart and in your soul. What are you going to memorize so that you can recount? Pick a passage. It could be one verse. It could be three verses. Be realistic. Don't say, I'm going to memorize the Old Testament by Christmas. And if you go there... Awesome. Blessings. Wow. But none of us are. So don't, don't pick a goal that's going to be so big that you give it up on Tuesday. Anybody else with me today that we have not been memorizing like we need to memorize? Anybody else with me? Can I just get a little moral support here? A little encouragement? Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Kyle feels better. Let it steep and let it marinate. If you fill up on God's truth, it will infuse into all the areas of your life. Now let me tell you something. Do you see all this? Can everybody see this? This isn't tea in this tea bag. It's actually dirt from my backyard. And if you fill your heart with filth, it will infuse. If you fill your heart with waste, you'll extract that. What are you filling your heart and mind with? 
Lord, forgive us for being less than passionate about your holy word. For you've captured the stories of waters that have been parted so that we might know you can handle our thing at work. You captured the psalms that our hearts might be inspired to sing and praise your goodness and mercy. You've captured the Jezebels and the King Saul's who've compromised and run from you and you've helped us to see the folly in that. You've captured the teaching of Jesus. You've captured the wisdom of the Proverbs. You've captured the glorious nature of Paul's writings about the gospel and forgiveness and salvation. You, O oh God, have been so kind to give us your word. So now we as a people, we freshly commit to abiding in your word so that it might fill us and infuse into us. We say with the psalmist this morning, Lord, teach us. For we are eager to learn and eager to follow. And in order to get there, we will hide your word in our hearts. Thank you for technology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Bible apps. Thank you. But Lord, do something special as your people take steps to treasure your word down in our souls.